You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. RCMP say an alleged theft from a construction site led to a reckless pursuit that's left a 12-year-old boy in hospital in serious condition. He was on his bicycle when the suspect vehicle allegedly blew a stop sign, crashing into him. John Waugh explains how it all unfolded and the warning now from RCMP. A 12-year-old boy in intensive care. The trade-off for two stolen chainsaws and a leaf blower. He was obviously really, really hurt, and it was, it was horrible seeing it like that, yeah. The outcome of a high-speed chase through the streets of Langley around 6 p.m. Tuesday. RCMP say a master tribute involved in an alleged theft was fleeing a Ford pickup north on 204th Street when it blew the stop sign on 40th Avenue, hitting the boy riding his bike, a friend of Isley's son. It definitely hits home more because um, it just really makes you realize that it, it could have been my own kid. Witnesses say after the boy was struck, the occupants of the Mazda tried to run. But one of these fellows was running and he went right through our yard, leaped over the, the fence. RCMP say two men aged 52 and 33 from Langley are now in custody pending charges. Also noting the pursuit, which spans several blocks, should have never happened. Property can be replaced, and so I would never encourage anybody in any circumstance to, uh, to chase after someone. Back at the construction site where the alleged theft first took place, one of the participants of the chase telling Global News off camera he backed off once they hit residential neighborhoods, saying his brother in another truck hit the suspect vehicle so they couldn't get away with hit and run. There were cars and people everywhere, and, and uh, again, this was a, a terrible, terrible outcome that could have been even worse with the number of people in the area. Next to an elementary school, neighbours who gave police surveillance video call it reckless. They were easily going 100 kilometres. I mean, it was, like I say, it was absolutely ridiculous. Bottom line, no stolen possession. We're seeing a child lying hurt on the street. John Hua, Global News. A major fire broke out at a metal shop in Vancouver early this morning, engulfing a commercial building and forcing the evacuation of several others. Aaron MacArthur joins us with the details on this one. Aaron, the shop is destroyed. Let's talk about what may have caused it. Well, Chris, the shop's still on fire. Vancouver Fire still on scene dealing with hot spots. Investigators just got inside a few hours ago, almost 13 hours after the fire began. By the time firefighters got to Quebec and 3rd, there was nothing they could do except take up defensive positions. The fire spread fast, knocking out the transformers on power lines outside. We had to pull everyone off the fire in the lane due to um, electric lines uh, coming down and transformers exploding. So we moved around to the front, opened up with our aerials. The fire was through the roof. The fire erupted at Metal and Wood Products, a business that's been at this location since the 1930s. The current owner could only stand in disbelief watching his hard work burn to the ground. You know, there's 18 guys that, that work in the shop, um, and you know, I'm just worried about you know, what, what's going to happen next. The fire was next door to a dog daycare and kennel. 11 animals housed inside overnight. Wednesday morning, first responders broke into the daycare from the lane and got everyone out to safety. One dog, sensing the danger, 
ran away. And so emergency um, services had taken our dogs out of the back of the building. And when, when they'd taken the dogs out, uh, one of the dogs escaped. Surely the Tibetan Mastiff was missing until early afternoon. She was found by a VPD member on the train tracks by Main and Terminal, maybe a kilometer away. Tired and scared, but otherwise okay. So with all the fur and it's a big dog, it's, it's, it's pretty warm out. So I'm just going to let her catch her breath. This fire close to several other suspicious blazes in recent months. This fire still under investigation. The story of Shirley sure touched a lot of people, Aaron. Uh, is she back with her owners now? Yeah, it did touch a lot of people, Chris. I and mean, we were in on the search for a while as well this afternoon. She's not back with her owners. It's a bit of a complicated story. She was taken into custody by Vancouver bylaw, and they needed the owner's permission to release her back to the daycare. The owners are in China, so some quick emailing back and forth. Got the dog released to the taxi dog hotel. She's with her buddies this afternoon or this evening, and I'm sure she's got quite the story to tell. No doubt. All right, thanks very much, Aaron. And in Surrey early this morning, fire devoured a home near 125A Street and 104th Avenue. At least seven trucks and 20 firefighters were on scene. Nine people, including two children, all managed to get out safely. Well, turning to Las Vegas now, we will have the latest on the investigation and what police are hoping to learn from the shooter's girlfriend in just a moment. But first, we're hearing tonight from another B.C. survivor of this tragedy, and he's recounting the terrifying moments he realized he had been shot in the back of the head and how the efforts of strangers likely saved his life. Paul Johnson reports. Had a great time in Vegas here, 30th birthday. It seemed like the perfect birthday celebration for this Ender B native. His girlfriend Amanda by his side, Las Vegas, and his favorite music. Who would have expected this? We're dancing and we heard, we thought there were firecrackers going off um, or fireworks. And we heard people say that it was gunshots. And I'm like, babe, it's not gunshots, it's not gunshots. All of a sudden, then the tent started getting peppered with shots one after the other and it was just like they're hitting tables and it was flying everywhere ambushed by a sniper from high above there was no cover to be found Braden Matika was defenseless in the barrage she looked at the back of my head and there was blood all the way down my shirt my pants already um, I went like this and it was just spraying out while a stranger had shot him other strangers were about to save his life a man who wrapped a shirt around his head a woman who appeared out of nowhere and got him where he needed to go. She stopped nicely, opened, opened the door and uh, let me in the back of it and drove me to the hospital like a bat out of hell without even asking any questions. About to be released from hospital and driven home to Lake Country by his family, Braden knows the road ahead is going to be long. I got quite a bit of pain in my back of my head still. Um, I got spots and it's really hard to focus in certain areas. Uh, when I try and read my phone, i got to look side to side. He also knows his story brings an entirely different meaning to the idea of getting lucky in Las Vegas. I think everybody that I've met has told me to buy a lottery ticket because um, not too many people get a second chance after being shot in the back of the head. 
incredible story. Paul Johnson joins us live from Las Vegas with more on sure this. Is. Paul, uh, even though he's got to deal with his uh, recovery now, the challenges won't be over once he gets out of hospital. You know, there's a big question right now, Sophie, for these Canadians who have been injured and been getting treated in these American hospitals. This is some of the most expensive health care anywhere in the world. And it's unclear for a lot of them how much, if any, uh, will be covered by their provincial plans, depending on what they have. A lot of these people, we found out, may not have supplemental travel insurance that they took out before they came down here. Not to mention the fact that a lot of them, like Braden, expect that they won't be able to work for months. So they're looking to their fellow Canadians to help out. Braden has launched a GoFundMe page, and we've learned there are a lot of other Canadians who are the subject of GoFundMe campaigns as well. We expect to hear a lot more about this in the coming days, Sophie. I'm sure we will. Paul, thank you. Well, tonight, Las Vegas police are revising the number of people injured down to 489, 317 of whom have already been discharged from hospital. Meantime, the girlfriend of mass murderer Stephen Paddock will be interviewed by the FBI in Los Angeles, where she was met by federal authorities as she returned from the Philippines last night. Lynn Collier reports. This video from police body cameras showing the terrifying moments bullets started raining incessantly Sunday night. Calm voices telling people where to go to safety as police pinpoint the gunman's location. President Trump and the First Lady spent the day in Las Vegas meeting with first responders as well as doctors and nurses still caring for the critically wounded. We met patients that were absolutely terribly wounded and the doctors, the nurses, all of the people at the hospital have done a job that's indescribable. Pictures obtained by the Daily Mail show the first images from inside Stephen Paddock's hotel room at Mandalay Bay. 23 weapons found throughout the suite, including a high-powered sniper rifle and hundreds of rounds of ammunition. Police say he turned one of the weapons on himself as they burst through his hotel room door. What we know is Stephen Paddock is a man who spent decades acquiring weapons and ammo and living a secret life much of which would never be fully understood. He meticulously planned on the worst domestic attack in United States history. FBI agents met Paddock's girlfriend, Mary Lou Danley, at the Los Angeles International Airport. She returned to the U.S. from the Philippines voluntarily overnight. He never said anything to me or took any action that I was aware of that I understood in any way to be a warning that something horrible like this was going to happen. Investigators still don't have a motive. They are reconstructing his life and behavior in the weeks and months leading up to the mass killings, but they still have no answer as to what set off those 11 minutes of terror. Lynn Collier, Global News. More tonight on a Surrey pastor and his wife who are facing multiple sexual assault charges. Police believe there could be more victims and are appealing for people to come forward. And as Grace Key reports, there are questions tonight about what exactly the church knew and when. We want to invite you into another story. 
Samuel Emerson was a pastor at Cloverdale Christian Fellowship for eight years. Now he and his wife are facing a number of sexual assault charges. Samuel's father, Randy, is a senior pastor at the church, and he will not comment on the guilt or innocence of his son. I'm not taking a side because I want to be able to minister to everybody. I have to minister to them. They have my heart, all of them, my son, right through. Samuel Emerson has not been with the church since May when he and his wife Madeline were arrested. The 34-year-old faces 13 counts of sexual assault, 11 counts of being in a position of authority and touching a person for a sexual purpose, and one count of sexual touching of a person under the age of 16. 37-year-old Madeline Emerson faces one count of sexual assault, one count of being in a position of authority and touching a person for a sexual purpose, and one count of threats to cause death or bodily harm. The allegations span from 2015 to 2017, and Randy says they did not happen on church grounds. And I'm a huge fan of knowing that Jesus is faithful. This is not the first time Samuel Emerson has faced accusations. One of the alleged victims who came forward in May to the RCMP made allegations two years ago to the church. At the time, it was not reported to police. Well, why the individual didn't, I, I can't speak to that. Um, why, why we didn't do is that we were working with the parents. Because he's my son, I, I didn't want to be involved in it, so, so we had somebody that we know professionally take a look at it, and uh, they felt that there was no credence to what we were presented with. The two have been released on strict conditions. They have five children, all of whom are now in Randy's care. Police are appealing for any other potential victims to come forward. Grace Key, Global News. A Vancouver casino employee is speaking out tonight, accusing superiors of not doing enough to stop rampant money laundering, which he alleges happens on a daily basis. Keith Baldry joins us with more on this. Keith, this follows years of rumors. And now a bombshell report that concludes major money laundering is going on in B.C. casinos. Exactly. And the casino we're talking about here, Chris, is River Rock Casino in Richmond. Today, one of their employees spoke to CKNW this morning, the John McComb Show, as you mentioned, saying that this happens on a daily basis. People coming in with bags of cash, thousands of dollars of $20 bills, turning into casino chips as classic form, a way of money laundering. Uh, here's an excerpt of what he had to say on NW this morning. We disguised his voice to protect his identity. And I put the question to David Eby, the attorney general, this afternoon. What are you going to do about it? No, I've, I've, I've never seen ever anyone turned away. I mean, that's how they make money. They make money from money. You know, so, um, I mean, in the end, uh, you know, that's, that's their business. So this, this is a very urgent issue. I believe that British Columbians' confidence in how gaming is run in the province is in the balance here. Uh, this is why I've directed Mr. German, if he identifies any issues, uh, to report to me right away. So Peter German is the ex-RCMP commissioner that David Eby's appointed to examine the money laundering situation in B.C. He's got till March to give his report. I have a feeling, given on current events, including today's phone call, uh, Peter German's going to be handing a report a lot sooner than that to the attorney general. Some urgency to it, of course. Uh, mm -hmm. That wasn't the only thing Eby was up to today. He also announced no. a pretty major change in the date of the next provincial election and how it's going to be conducted. 
Yeah, switching gears here entirely, but we're still talking about the Attorney General introducing this big act, Election Amendment Act. Uh, basically, it changes the date of the election. It takes it from May 2021 to the third Saturday in October 2021. Also sets the stage for that referendum next fall to potentially change the voting system, how we elect our politicians. And the way it's been framed, i got to say, I think we're headed to proportional representation before the next election. We'll see. All right. Keith Baldry in Victoria, thank you. Looking for love in all the wrong places. It turns out technology can be a real heartbreaker, according to police. The warning they're issuing tonight after a frightening increase in crimes they say are all tied to dating online in just over a minute. A young boy on a whale-watching adventure gets exactly the shot he was hoping for. The humpback photobomb that's going viral later on the news hour. Also tonight, only days after his death, big news out of Hollywood about a biopic on Hugh Hefner and who's getting the title role. That's a little bit later. But first, Vancouver police have launched a new safety campaign aimed directly at singles who use online dating services. The message is simple. No matter what, the person on the other end is a stranger. As Nadia Stewart reports, there's a chilling trend behind the warning. A 28-year-old woman met a man online and invited him in for tea. Instead, she was sexually assaulted. They are the online dating horror stories Vancouver police want to make sure everyone hears. Particularly on dating sites, women are finding themselves at higher risk for sexual assault, violent crimes and fraud. Because investigators say the stories are becoming too common. We've seen an increase in reports of sexual assault that initiated with contact on an online dating site or social media. A 2011 survey finding 36% of Canadians between 18 and 34 went looking for love online. The rise in popularity and problems prompting police to launch a campaign, helping online daters do so safely. Lots of people meet online on, on, on dating sites, and it's unfortunate that predators have found this out. And it's a perfect platform for, their, for them to look through and basically select potential victims. A new website, catchyou.ca, aims to arm online users with tips, like limiting the amount of personal info in your online profile, choosing a profile photo you haven't used anywhere else so it can't be searched, always meeting in a public place, away from where you live, and remembering that just because you're using a paid site doesn't mean it's safer. Lots of people lie about lots of things like height. Dating coach Eddie Baller says while online dating has its benefits, there are drawbacks. He encourages clients to skip the screen and get social the old-fashioned way. There's lots of people outside. As soon as you step outside, you go for a walk, there's, there's people everywhere, and you could actually uh, do more than just get dates. You can actually make yourself into a, a better person overall. Avoiding that potential online heartbreak, but still finding something special. Nadia Stork, Global News. The high price of no tolls. I think I've taken it maybe 12 times now already since they took the tolls off. The chaotic impact of so many more cars on the road coming up. Also tonight, explosion in Tennessee. What blew up that had nearby schools evacuated? Looks like wildfire season temporarily cooled tourism. The latest numbers show July tourism down by two-tenths of a percent from July of 2016. The tourism ministry says the main impact was on short-haul travelers from the U.S., and potentially on Asian visitors to Seattle who may have chosen not to drive up to B.C. 
But July is the only month that's down. Overall, international entries into B.C. are up 3% so far this year. Well, the latest figures on the Port Man and Golden Ears bridges are no surprise. Since the NDP government dropped the tolls, traffic is up significantly. But as Ted Chernecki reports, many of those people who are taking advantage of the new free ride are finding it's not exactly smooth sailing. Today, TransLink's CEO reiterated a bold prediction that the days of the single occupancy vehicle are numbered. In 30 years that only about half of all transportation trips would be accomplished by a single occupant vehicle. But over at the Port Man and Golden Ears bridges, that trend has taken a sudden U-turn. There are in fact way more vehicles on both bridges since the tolls were removed September 1st. Port Man traffic, September to September, has increased to 4.36 million crossings, up 930,000. Actually, our modelers at, at TransLink um, um, predicted. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You take the toll off, more people are going to drive. And with more traffic, the potential for more accidents and lengthy delays. Suddenly, it's getting harder to see the benefit to taxpayers for initially spending $3.3 billion for the Highway 1 upgrade. And without the tolls, the projected debt is now expected to exceed $4 billion. It's a good idea from winning an election. It's not a good idea for public policy. One's frustration is another's relief. Traffic on the Alex Fraser and Patello bridges is down, but not by as much as traffic is up on the former toll bridges. I think I went over the Portman Bridge three times in maybe four years in my personal car, and I think I've taken it maybe 12 times now already since they took the tolls off of that bridge. Last time I drove over it, I was the only truck on there, so that was probably about maybe noonish. Uh, in May, we woke up to news on, on a particular Sunday that both parties announced some, some proposals on tolling. Today, TransLink CEO told the Surrey Board of Trade he was as surprised as anyone that the tolls were coming off. And now that they're gone, all eyes are looking towards the Mayor's Council and the so-called mobility pricing, otherwise known as a search for new money. I have no preconceived ideas of what that might look like, but I certainly... Sure you do. You must. No, I don't. Just what will constitute mobility pricing, we're told we'll know by around April, May next year. Ted Chernecki, Global News. A damning report released today into the death of a North Vancouver teenager once again highlights major flaws in B.C.'s youth mental health system. The investigation shows the province failed the 17-year-old boy who, after four months living at B.C. Children's Hospital and years of struggle, jumped to his death from a crane on the hospital grounds in 2015. The report says Joshua, a pseudonym used at the request of his family, didn't get the mental health treatment he needed from the time he was two years old. Children's representative Bernard Richard says he wants to see a mental health services plan for youth completed within a year and implemented within two. What we can conclude and have concluded is that a comprehensive youth mental health system in British Columbia would have given everybody, including Joshua, a better chance to deal with his challenging illness. Well, the first step, of course, is to develop that strategy, which we were, which we were already beginning work on, and then to meet the deadlines that he set out. But frankly, there can be nothing more important than ensuring that our vulnerable youth get the support that they need. Children who are getting the health care they need, at least, coming up as we're changing lives on the trip of a lifetime. Well, I think it'll be exciting, and I'm a little bit, you know, almost a little nervous of it, right? How Operation Rainbow is bringing smiles to a country where young patients can't always get the help they need. 
Also ahead, Donald Trump's reaction after reports his Secretary of State called him a moron. Today marks a major anniversary in the history of space exploration. It's been 60 years since the launch of Sputnik back in 1957. It was the first successful satellite launch and triggered the space race between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. The Soviets scored another victory four years later when they sent the first man into space. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says his government will review how the suspect in the Edmonton attack was able to enter Canada. At the same time, leaked 911 recordings paint a vivid picture of the rampage that started with an attack on a police officer and ended with civilians being run down by a truck. Control, we just had civilian hit 107 Jasper. Leads of cars are stopped there right now. Civilians are hit 107 in Jasper. Guys, we need to take that vehicle right now. Gate 31, use all means necessary to stop that vehicle and end this uh, crime flight. 30-year-old Abdullahi Hassan Sharif is facing 11 charges in connection with the weekend attack. Sharif came to Canada from the U.S. as a refugee back in 2012, one year after he was scheduled to be deported from the U.S. back to Somalia. He failed to show up for his American hearing and crossed into Canada where he was granted refugee status. New details of alleged turmoil within the Trump administration. A new report from NBC News claims Secretary of State Rex Tillerson was on the verge of quitting, frustrated enough to refer to President Trump as a moron. Andrea Mitchell reports. Tonight, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson coming out to respond to an NBC News report about friction with the president and that he was on the verge of resigning this summer. There were some news reports this morning that I want to address. But stopping short of a full denial. There's never been a consideration in my mind to leave. But senior administration officials confirmed to NBC News Tillerson threatened to resign in July. The boiling point, the president's highly political speech to the Boy Scouts, a group Tillerson once led. We won Florida, we won South Carolina, we won North Carolina, we won Pennsylvania. Just days earlier, Tillerson even called the president a moron after a Pentagon meeting, according to three senior officials. Tillerson today not denying that. I'm just, I'm not going to deal with petty stuff like that. The president in Las Vegas today labeling the NBC report fake news. It was a totally phony story. Thank you very much. It was made up. It was made up by NBC. Total confidence in Rex. I have total confidence. But multiple sources tell NBC Tillerson did disparage the president and also talked about quitting, reports NBC's Carol Lee. Kelly and Mattis moved in to try to convince him to stick around. And then Vice President Pence followed up with what one source described to us as a pep talk. In fact, Tillerson and the president have clashed for months over Iran, over a dispute between U.S. allies in the Persian Gulf and North Korea. Coming to a head this weekend when the president attacked Tillerson's outreach to North Korea, tweeting Sunday, save your energy, Rex, we'll do what has to be done. The president's diplomatic bombshell coming just hours after Tillerson returned from China, where he told reporters the U.S. has a back channel to talk with North Korea, leading to a chorus of headlines that Tillerson should quit. I think Secretary Tillerson does really have to uh, ask himself the question whether he should be staying in this position. An explosion at a chemical plant in Tennessee put nearby schools and homes under lockdown. The blast at the Eastman Chemical Company was caught on surveillance video. Employees of the plant, along with students and staff at several nearby schools and homes, were told to shelter in place 
and turn off their HVAC systems. Latest, uh, the latest is no word on what caused the blast. In Health Matters tonight, a team of B.C. doctors is preparing to travel to the other side of the world to make a difference. As Linda Ellsworth reports, Operation Rainbow does nothing less than give children in poor communities a chance to live a normal life. I know her a little. Do I get a hug? Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They are, many of them, strangers, but not for long. On October 11th, this team of plastic surgeons, anesthesiologists, nurses and translators will embark on a life-changing journey. I'd like to thank you all for taking time from your families to go on the mission. Uh, the mission is to China in the Hebei province. They are volunteers with Operation Rainbow, a non-profit organization that offers reconstructive surgery to children in developing nations with cleft lips and palates. These children are not being accepted in society because of their facial deformity and they hide and they don't go to school. They don't perform very well. Um, they almost aren't left at, like outcasts. She looks very good. The new Westminster-based charity was founded 17 years ago by Dr. Kimmet Rye after he traveled several times with American charities. I told myself, Canada can do this. So, so since that time, I came back and reorganized. This will be Operation Rainbow's 22nd mission. We have to bring a lot of stuff. We have to carry our supplies, our gowns, our sutures, because we prefer our own sutures, special needles instruments that we need, which they don't have. When they reach their destination, a traditional Chinese medicine hospital outside of Beijing, 60 orphans in need of surgery will be waiting. We try to do between uh, about eight or nine patients a day, so in six days we can probably do about 60. There will be very little downtime, but knowing the difference they're making in their young patients' lives, it's not a problem. I've always wanted to go somewhere else and just do what we don't do here, really make that difference. They want the best they can possibly achieve for their child. And I can do a little bit to help that. It's very appreciative. They're all wonderful people. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. What a trip. All right, uh, still to come, reminiscing at a very rare reunion. Smoking in class, <laughs> in Mr. Tory's class. Yeah, you know she was the rebel of the class of 1947, sharing memories with friends 70 years later. But first, perfect timing for a young whale watcher. That's next. Thing for this young whale watcher, the story behind an epic photo bomb coming up right after the forecast. Little tease there. Mm -hmm. Very well done. <laughs> All right, Yvonne Shell joins us with our weather forecast now. We've been having such a glorious week, Yvonne. Yeah, it's been spectacular. Perfect fall day once again. Plenty of sunshine. We're just before sunset this evening, which is officially at 645. And we'll just see the sun uh, set at this point. A gorgeous shot this evening just overlooking English Bay. Temperatures at 14 with a light southwesterly wind at 7 kilometers per hour. Highs today were closer to 16 degrees. That's if you were by the water. Inland sections up to 21 degrees. Average for this time of the year sits at 15. Here's a look at some of the other numbers. So Hope today up to 21. Similar for Chilliwack, Langley, Abbotsford with highs of 20. And areas near Burnaby topping out at 19 degrees. Kamloops today up to 16. And areas near Fort, Fort St. John in the Peace up to 18 degrees. Satellite and radar, ridge of high pressure. That's been the dominant feature that we've been keeping a close eye on. That's what's giving us the sunshine, dry conditions. We've got one more warm day for tomorrow. But it is going to start to weaken and break down.
and the return for some wet weather is what we can see on our future cast starting to push in. By tomorrow afternoon, we'll see some moisture along the north and central coast, and much of it will reach and sink down towards the southern half of the province on Friday, and it'll be late in the day. Northern regions of the province tomorrow, so we can see that across the coast with an increase in cloud cover. A chance of showers by the evening and the winds. By the evening hours, we could see gusts of up to 70 kilometers per hour. The piece tomorrow was 16, much of the central interior. Sunny and dry with highs of 16 degrees. Kamloops tomorrow stunning up to 21. Castlegar 20 in areas near Whistler tomorrow underneath that sunshine up to 19. Coastal sections for the southern half of the province. A range in temperatures from Port Hardy at 14. Victoria will be up to 19 degrees. In areas near Tofino, a stunning day with a high of 17 degrees. Five-day forecast and what we are tracking. So one more warm day tomorrow, 18 by the water, inland up to 21. So it's going to be a touch warmer in comparison to what we're seeing today. We're seeing showers developing late on our Friday. It'll be short-lived. Saturday, we'll see more cloud cover. It should remain dry and plenty of sunshine to round off both our Sunday, Monday for the long weekend. Underneath a mix of sun and cloud and highs of 14 and 15 degrees. Uh, belated birthday this evening to Terry Matsu from Vancouver, who celebrated 102 yesterday. And Elizabeth Jackson, a very happy birthday this evening from Chilliwack, celebrating 104. Tonight's weather window was taken from Marine Foss from Laclahash. And this is a stunning sunrise taken over the last couple of days. Guys? Wow, that's beautiful. Makes you want to get out onto the waves, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our next story. <laughs> you know, we all have pictures taken when we were kids that have a special place in our memories, but 11-year-old Dawson Gage probably has most of us beat. For sure. Dawson was on a boat last month off the west coast of Vancouver Island when he posed for a shot with his fishing guide. A few moments later, his quick thinking and the guide's calm reaction caught this. (laughs) A whale breaching behind him in just the right spot. It looks even better as a still picture or even as a series of stills. (laughs) He was great. He saw it coming up, turned around to get the shot, and now it's going viral. I think (laughs) the lodge where he was staying has seen well over 30,000 shares now. So (laughs) a lot more people are seeing it now. Lots of people getting out uh, on the boat because it's such a beautiful day out there for sure. Well, just days after his death, a movie that chronicles the life of Hugh Hefner has found its lead. Jared Leto is set to play the Playboy founder in a biopic from X-Men director Brett Ratner. Ratner has been holding on to the film since 2007 when he originally had Robert Downey Jr. in mind for the lead. The director says he also wants to reboot Hugh Hefner's late 1960s talk show Playboy After Dark. Hefner passed away last week at the age of 91. And we want to remind you that our annual Thanks for Giving Food Drive benefiting food banks, B.C., is happening tomorrow. We will be live at three locations, the Surrey Food Bank, the Friends in Need Food Bank in Maple Ridge, and the Mustard Seed Food Bank in Victoria. You can drop by and donate in person or go online to make your donation, globalnews.ca slash thanks for giving. You can also text the word food to 41010 and specify the amount that you'd like to donate. You can also choose which location of the food bank you'd like your donation to go to. We're going to come right out and say it. They don't want bags of groceries. They want cash. They can can buy more groceries with it, Mm -hmm. right? It triples for them. They've got great buying power, so think about that. 
when you're getting ready to give. It's easy to just text it as well. Exactly. And it's lighter. You just have to it's show lighter. up. You can <laughs> hang out and socialize. You're not dragging lots. So it's right. good. It's easy. So you have to meet some global personalities as well. Yeah. And don't, we did that story a couple of years ago. Don't bring goofy stuff. Right, you had the wall of shame there, yeah, right? Where it was like crocodile meat or something. They do a shame down there. It's like, uh, yeah, we can't work with this. But you're right, cash is best. Hey, Derek Pouliot is in town. What does he bring to the Canucks? Skating's one of my strengths. Uh, you know, I know that's uh, a big part of how that they want to play here. He was a great junior. Now he gets another chance to be an NHLer, this time with Vancouver. And there's an awful lot to catch up on at this 70th class reunion. Okay. Yes. Flyers, Scott Sports? Sure. Okay. So the Canucks are in a position where they might as well take a chance on a younger player, somebody who hasn't reached their potential yet, and Derek Pouliot fits that. Highly thought of as a junior, an offensive defenseman when he was in the Western Hockey League. Drafted in the first round by the Pittsburgh Penguins and a former pupil of Travis Green's in Portland. Maybe he can realize his potential here. It's a long shot, but it's worth a bet when you're the Canucks. And he is someone actually that Vancouver tried to get before. The Canucks have actually wanted Derek Pouliot for a while. Back in 2014, they tried to make him part of a possible Ryan Kessler deal. But Pittsburgh said no, thinking Pouliot was a future star. But after three years in the Penguins organization, Pouliot went from can't miss to can't make it. Things can get kind of uh, stale or stagnant after a little while, and um, you know it's good to to get a change of scenery every once in a while. So what went wrong with the Penguins? Last year, Pouliot couldn't even crack a blue line ravaged by injuries. He's been criticized for his poor play and decision-making in the defensive zone. But can he be a regular in Vancouver? Well, the coach thinks so. The way the game's being played, you want defensemen that can move the puck and get up the ice. And, uh, you know, he fits that mold for sure. As far as answering your question, what, what went wrong, I don't know. Uh, but I know it didn't go the way he wanted. And uh, hopefully it'll go better here. And it could be since Travis Green did coach him back in junior. But cracking the roster here isn't a guarantee with more depth, Pouliot could be the seventh defenseman to at least start the season, but at some point he will get his chance, and when he does, the Canucks hope to see this Derek Pouliot. It's nothing's going to be handed freely, I mean, just because you you know somebody. Uh, I'm going to have to come here, work hard, play well, and, and, and earn all the ice time I get. Hopefully it works out for him here. Um, it wasn't quite working out in Pittsburgh, so uh, he's got tons of talent, and uh, I'm sure he's going to show it here. And if he does, the Canucks could end up with a steal. If he doesn't, at least it wasn't Vancouver's first-round bust. Chanel Pertap, Global Sports. You kind of forget Mark Scheifele's actually one of the better scorers in the NHL. Seventh last year in scoring, but the Jets are going to get scored on often in this game. Opening night, Leafs. Yep, there's the first goal of the season. Nazem Kadri in the power play after... Winnipeg had a bunch of power plays and couldn't score. Then uh, they brought in Steve Mason this year to help the goaltending. Hey, Steve, the puck's over there. Oh, boy. Well, that didn't work out so well. Kevin Day off the GM of Winnipeg. I can't even look anymore. 3-0 after one. Then Patrick Marlowe playing with the kids at the age of 38 scores from Austin Matthews. And then Marlowe again, this time with Caudry. And look at the defense by the Winnipeg Jets. Lame. Oh. 7-2 in the third period. Toronto over Winnipeg. 
So Connor McDavid and the Oilers are one of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup this year. And you may think, whoa, that's way too soon of the McDavid era to be saying Stanley Cup. This is just his third season. But remember, Sidney Crosby made his first Stanley Cup in his second year, and he won the Cup in his third season. And the Oilers were great in last year's playoffs. They came within a win of the third round. And their GM, Peter Shirelli, thinks that playoff run is going to help them this year. I like the way we dealt with... Uh, getting into the playoffs, the drive to get in last year as a group. I like the way that we dealt with some adversity in the playoffs. Um, so I, I think there's a good level of character to this group, and I would I would expect them to deal with it well. And the Oilers start the season tonight against Calgary, who finally got Yarmir Yager in town, but he's not going to play tonight. He needs a little time to get in better shape. If you give me a little bit of time, because it was a it was a different different summer, I, you know. I, you know, when you don't have a motivation to practice, to go any direction, I, I, I didn't know where I'm going to play, if I ever going to play, and now I know, so I'm just probably going to need a little more more time than usually. But after a while, I, I can promise you I'm going to do everything to help this team. Okay, the odds are different where you check, but we went with the Vegas odds, and there you see it, Edmonton, Pittsburgh, tied as co-favorites at 8-1. to There's the rest of the Canadian teams, and if there's a miracle... At Rogers Arena, and you bet the house, oh, you'll own 50 houses. 150 to 1, there you go. Maybe wow. not in Vancouver with our housing prices. No, actually, you're right. You just get the house and then a little laneway house, mm-hmm. and that's it. Exactly. Mortgage helper. <laughs> Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sophie. We've heard the stories over the last few days about how good has risen above tragedy in the wake of the Las Vegas massacre. What's up, buddy? How are you doing? Good. Good to see you again. All right. Today, a reunion for B.C. resident Sheldon Mack, who was injured in the shooting on Sunday. He came face-to-face with the men who saved him. We'll have more on that and the latest on the investigation in Vegas tonight at 11. Very special moment there, to say the least. Mm-hmm. ever. Thank you, Jay. Some special moments at the reunion for the class of 1947 coming up and some lessons for the youngsters, too. Coming up on ET Canada, what Kim Cattrall has to say about her former Sex in the City co-stars. Plus, find out which popular TV star is leaving their long-running hit series and have a first look at the new American Idol. Yeah, we've got it. It's all coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you. All right, Cheryl, thanks very much. Now, high school reunions aren't typically noteworthy unless you're talking about the one in Scarborough, Ontario today. The class of 47, 1947, getting together for the 70th consecutive year. And as Global Ontario's Tom Hayes reports, they're still teaching the youngsters some important lessons. Today, Norma takes care of the morning bell and the morning announcement. This is our 70th reunion. It's a special room, a classroom that goes back to 1947 and Scarborough's first high school, now known as R.H. King Academy. It's nice to see all the the ladies again. They have been seeing each other this way every year for the past seven decades. Back when, as they like to remind us, things were different. You don't hear about any dances anymore. Not that I could dance now, but I loved it. We were taught uh, typewriting and shorthand. They say school was strict, but every class had a rebel. Smoking in class, in Mr. Torrey's class, he never caught me. It was an all-girls class, 22 students. The tough part is, just 10 are here today. I wish we were here now, and we would be laughing and giggling and carrying on. She passed away at 80, and she was my very best friend. 
You still think about her? Yes, I do. Happy anniversary! As the ladies got caught up, a younger generation seemed to be catching on to a new appreciation for face-to-face -face friendship. Being caught up in social media isn't that important and that you should just live in the moment, make friends, talk face-to-face -face, and just make long-lasting friendships. The ladies planted a tree to remember maybe the most important person from the class, their teacher who started this annual get-together way back when. She made good students out of us all and good people. Everybody look this way for one second. And good friends who now in their late 80s plan on continuing for a few more years. Oh, another 10 at least. <laughs> That'll give these classmates some time to catch up. You're going to get together 70 years from now? Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll try. Tom Hayes, Global News. Smoking in the classroom. I can't Ooh. believe he never caught her. <laughs> well, like in the classroom. Yeah, it sounded like oh. it. A dude must have had no sense of smell. 70 years <laughs> well, ago. Well, everybody was doing it back then, too, probably. All right, last word on weather before we go. Yes, and also correction to a birthday announcement this evening.